A strange alien species inspired by ancient Rome and apparently Bigfoot takes foot on Venus, waiting for the right time to invade Earth. It's War in Space. Is it war in space or the war in space? It is the war in space, but that was a long preamble as it was. Oh, so, so those three I just, letters I had to were... cut out the the. Yeah, <laughs> that was just that was that was one word over the top, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if this really is the war in space. I mean, I know it's called the war in space, but is it really the war in space, well, or is it just another war in space, Alex? Well, well here's the, here's the other question. Is it considered a war in space if it all takes place on a planet? Is that a space right. war? If there's no space a... battles, or is it a planet war? Right. Is yeah, it should like... be war on Venus? <laughs> exactly. And when the aliens attack us, it's not a war in space. It's a war right. on Earth, right? That's an alien invasion. Mm. So man, these titles, these titles. Uh, is it <laughs> is it the same in Japanese? I don't I don't know. We'll we'll have to ask our audience about that one. But yeah. anyway, welcome back to the Monsters vs Men podcast. Uh, we are the bargain basement of the Kaiju podcasting airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we are talking the war in space. I'm Eric, and I'm Alex, and we're back again. Hey, by the way, Alex, I do want to thank our newest Bargain Basement Club member, Nicholas. Um, he became a friend of the podcast over at Patreon.com and became our newest member at the oh. Bargain Basement Club. Thank you, Nicholas, yeah, for, thanks, for doing Nicholas. that. Uh, seriously, like uh, our, our those patrons that we have are, are a huge part of the show. Uh, they really they really help us out. Uh, keep us encouraged and motivated to keep going, mm-hmm. uh, even with some of these obscure films like The War in Space. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Eric, I'm gonna, I've got an idea I might pitch to you on MVM Plus about how to maybe Oof. get some of these patrons a little more involved in some Ooh, future episodes. I would like that. Yeah, I would like that. Um, hey, did you notice, Alex, by the way, with The War in Space, before we jump into the film introduction, this all takes place in the autumn of 88. Did you notice that? <laughs> No. Yeah. This no. takes place in the autumn of 88, and that is significant to us because we were both born in the oh, autumn of 88. Look at that. Now, I don't remember this. I don't remember this happening in the autumn of 88, well, we but maybe we, our we parents do. Our parent, yeah. We wouldn't have remembered it anyway. Our parents probably do. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to them That's about right. it. That's History for us only begins in 88. We don't know what happened before That's that. true. Yeah, no. Nothing of significant value, probably. <laughs> Certainly true. <laughs> All right, let's jump into it. Here we go. Of the eight films we've watched so far in our Toho miniseries, this is the first one to be directed by someone other than Ishiro Honda. And who else would take this honor but Jun Fukuda? We also make a pretty significant leap in time uh, from our last film, which was Gorath, released in 62, to this film, The War in Space, being released in 77. We certainly get some of that Jun Fukuda flair in this one, Alex, as well as some of the 70s influence. But my question to start for you is, how do you think uh, The War in Space was influenced by sci-fi movies that came before its place? Well, you know, like we already said, history didn't really begin until 88. Uh, Any important (laughs) relevant history. So I can't really speak on the broad sci-fi elements of the films before this, except for the ones we've really seen. 
for this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So throughout the show, we have seen some things that reoccur uh, fairly by the numbers with maybe a few caveats. You know, we get aliens attack our peaceful world and then we track them back to their base. We fire on them. Usually their base has a shield that takes a while to get through. And it usually takes a, probably a little too long. And then eventually we destroy them and we go back home. Now, there are a few things that this film does to mix that up a little bit. But, you know, first we get the imposter aliens. Usually we get aliens that at least look at like us for a little while. But they don't typically like wear our skin like we see mind control sometimes or we just see aliens that look human and they're revealed to be space apes or something like that but they weren't like <laughs> infiltrating you know what i mean right uh but this time we actually get like a an, a fun infiltration at least at the beginning of the film Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we get Princess Leia before there was Princess Leia. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) we get this like uh, pit stop to save the man on the spaceship, which I actually kind of liked a little Mm -hmm. bit. I wish it it was a little more harrowing. Like there was a little more risk involved in acquiring uh, what turns out to be another imposter. Uh, But... I think that that I, I think if we had added more time into rescuing that guy, upping the stakes for something that ends up biting them in the butt, and removing mm-hmm. some time maybe on the back end of this film really could have done some good. But yeah. there are some others. There are some other sequences that I like, and I think the best one, uh, just in general, is the one I mentioned just a few moments ago. Is the the first imposter sequence where <laughs> they're sitting around the couch and our captain realizes that something is not right with his old friend. Mm -hmm. And it is one of the best moments of the film. And it's followed by one of the most head scratching moments of the film where the imposter is running away and he just explodes for no reason. I love it. (laughs) No reason. It's never addressed. They never make a comment like, Oh, they they didn't want him to get caught. It's, It's wonderful. It's just wonderful. Right. No, I, I, I actually like that sequence, too. I think that confrontation between the captain, who, of course, is played um, you know, by none other than <laughs> Rio Akebe, who has been in two of our other, uh, or Akebe. I, someone can tell me how to pronounce that, please. Uh, <laughs> he's been in two of our other Toho in Space films. Um, you know, So I was mm-hmm. glad to see him. That was a great addition. There's a little throwback. I also thought of Atragon. You know, um, with the ship, it was very Atragon esque um, yeah. in its style. But we we get a little bit of everything in this movie. It, it was funny is that I didn't know that the director was June Fukuda until I started working on my notes for this episode, Alex. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> but I tell you, I wasn't surprised at all to find out it was June Fukuda. Like it made complete sense, <laughs> honestly. You know, Honda and Fukuda's Godzilla films are really quite different when you think about it. And I think we see some of the same thing with their sci-fi films. One thing that Fukuda does well, and and honestly, this film kind of made me want a late 70s Godzilla film. We're missing that, you know. Um, I think a late 70s Godzilla film could have been really cool. But one thing that Fukuda does well is create characters and camaraderie. And so I think about the characters in some of his Godzilla movies and Ebra, Son of Godzilla, and Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. And I'm impressed by how memorable some of those characters can be. Um, Now, 
in those movies, the situations and the relationships that they're involved in may be a bit over the top. <laughs> but with Fukuda, you know you're going to get over the top. Right. So, for example, you get the love triangle and the drama. In this movie, you get the love triangle and the drama involving that triangle, um, including that three-minute conversation where Maroi predicts his death and tells Miyoshi to take care of June. You mm-hmm. know right then and there that that guy is a dead man. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it is over the top. It's over the top 100%. Mm-hmm. You also get that moment um, – I don't know if it quite works, but it had me fascinated where uh, Jimmy receives the news of his family's death. And we get those little flashback glimpses. And at the same time, he's looking out at Earth from a space point of view. And it's just, it's a surreal moment in a sense. It's over the top. I don't know if it quite works. And yet somehow (laughs) still leaves me applauding the effort and leaves me thinking about it. um, Because (laughs) there is something meaningful about it. Like he just received the worst news you could possibly receive. And he's looking at the earth from such a, a perspective. Nothing seems significant on earth because it's so removed. And yet it is so significant to him because it's his entire family. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it did feel a little melodramatic, but regardless, <laughs> I still liked it. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did too. I did too. You know, I'm kind of right with you uh, for a lot of that. I think the, you know, I think the characters are well done and I actually really like the Jimmy moment. Like, it, like you said, it's really heavy handed and even dopey <laughs> kind of as it is, but yeah. <laughs> it like oddly humanized like this strange character for me. It was just Such like a strange <laughs> character, <laughs> just a strange character. But I just, I could not believe a sequence like that. I was like, actually like feeling a little something for him, you know, like <laughs> I'm thinking almost any <laughs> other movie. I'd be like, what is this? And I was like, oh man, poor Jimmy. <laughs> well, the other thing is, is it's not really referenced after that moment. You well, know, like it's, it's, it's done. It is done, but it has a payoff. And that is his sacrifice later in the film where he is not shot down. He actively drives his ship into that base to uh, make the opening that it does. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, his ship is shot, but he was going that way anyway. You could tell by the look on his face when he's going down that this was what he was planning to do anyway. Right. right. So, you know. A lot of sacrifices. A lot of sacrifices in this film. A lot of sacrifices, you know. <laughs> I, I was sad to see Jimmy from NASA die in this film, you know. I was hoping maybe he could go on to make a family of his own. But I think his uh-huh. spirit will live on forever inside of each of us. For sure. For sure. Um, <laughs> That kind of leads into another thing I really liked about the film. And that was, I really liked that they killed off so many characters in this movie. Like, (laughs) this is something Toho films haven't really done. They, it's almost like they actively avoid killing a lot of their characters. Mm. Uh, but it gave a bit, like it gave a bit of this like sense of unpredictability to the film. Like we, we knew that June's boyfriend or fiance was going to die. Right. But, I didn't expect it to go the way it did. <laughs> Where he's just sitting there <laughs> smiling in his jet, like, oh, I'm glad she's safe. And then he blows up. <laughs> I expected like some heroic finale for him, and that's not how it goes. And I really no. like that. Uh, <laughs> I like that you're laughing because I like that people die in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to die a lot sooner, to be honest. I, I thought he too. was going to die immediate. I thought he was going to die during that scene you mentioned where with the second imposter when he goes to get him. Yeah. I was like, there's no way he's going to die right now. Like, he just had the speech. He's going to die two seconds later. 
He yeah. didn't. I thought he was going to, but you knew he was a goner, well, and that was I, definitely I also like when June and uh, I forgot his name. He's like our main character, and I've kind of forgotten his name. But I, I like it when they get out of the uh, the alien ship, and they're both kind of sad that the other guy, <laughs> the other guy's alive. <laughs> <laughs> And then he gets what he, you know, he gets what he had coming to him. Yoshi, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. But yeah, I like that, that sense of unpredictability the film had because I really didn't know who was going to go uh, at mm. certain times, and I I think that led to some of the more memorable moments of the film uh, for me. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I'm not completely sold on this movie overall. I think you might be a little higher on this film than I am. One critique I had was was the music, um, which normally isn't a big deterrent for me. But here, I don't know. It just seemed too much over the top. I like that opening number during the credits. I thought that was great. It was perfect 70s. But then the 70s music, as it was incorporated elsewhere, didn't quite work for me. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just felt a little off, off kilter and very of its time, which isn't always a bad thing. But here... I don't know. Maybe giving it a second chance, it's worth it. It would be worth it or it would be better a second time. I'm not sure. And then you, you mentioned the unpredictability of the film. And I don't quite understand the alien threat here. And, and I don't quite know what these aliens are. Are they giant Ewoks? Are are they the uh, green aliens from which, which, which green apes did we get? Uh, which Godzilla was that? Godzilla oh, versus Mecha Godzilla. Both of them, Mecha Godzilla and Terror of Mecha Godzilla. Are, are are they the are, which Fukuda Godzilla film are these aliens from? <laughs> and do we really have a commander named Commander Hell who is inspired by Romans? But hmm. how would he be inspired by Romans if he's from a different planet? Well, he, I, I'm just he, really confused by the aliens. Inspired the Romans. <laughs> he, he most likely has been to Earth before. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man! Maybe. Now, yeah, now that, we're talking. Now that, we're that's talking. a really weird thing. I completely forgot about the Roman link. Like, I, I don't know how that thing, of all things, has slipped my mind. <laughs> what a bizarre <laughs> thing! And I like that the the rows for the ship are actually guns. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Yeah, like let's shoot. Well, at times they shoot out the ships, and then they shoot out lasers later yeah. on. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, like I, little revolvers like see, I, <laughs> what yes that's one of my favorite moments oh but i really like the i don't like the green aliens because they are literally just people in green face paint like there's mm-hmm. no real creativity to them i do like the weird wookie uh thing that we yeah, get what? <laughs> i like the idea that he's probably like he's probably a captured soldier that's like you know having to work for him or something like that so he's he really was, just building the mythology and the mythos of this entire war and space franchise dude, really you know there like, are so many that's a potential layers. spin-off movie yeah that's a spin-off movie right there yeah oh i mean it's definitely gonna <laughs> we'll get have to, like we'll um, have to tie that one we'll, we'll tie that uh species into our gamma script alex oh, for sure i like that i like that yeah it's definitely gonna get like a mediocre prequel series and then like a completely busted sequel series <laughs> um <laughs> yeah but yeah the, these these aliens are they're kind of lame i do like the i do like the wookie you know but 
and they are really fun. Now, I don't think they're as fun as something like, like you said, the Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla apes. Like when they get killed, they transform mm-hmm. into them. And also, another aspect of the film I do is like I like this journey feeling that we get of the uh, space exploration all the way to this world and then on this world. It really does feel like it. It, it is this adventure that they're kind of going on. But there is something seriously lacking with this film. And it really falters in its pacing pretty heavily after the excellent opening 20 minutes or so. Like, it it really drags yeah. more than it should. And also, the effects, while pretty wonderful, are way overused. I mean, how many times did they use each effect shot in this movie? I would say most of the shots were used at least three times. I saw one shot in particular <laughs> used at least seven or eight. They're... Well, they did it like in a row. They did use those effect shots in a row, but usually it was for a reason. It was like the UFOs, you know, they're fighting information, you know, and so you use these three UFO shots like back to back to back. Well, yeah, but that, that shot, I think that the UFOs you're talk- you might be talking about, it's like the cluster of UFOs. They used it seven times. And then there's the the shot, there's that really cool shot of them going into the tunnel where it just shows Mm -hmm. the tunnel. It shows that Mm -hmm. shot literally seven times. It does it three times the first (laughs) time and then four times the next time later on in the movie. Yeah. And yeah, I can't help but notice and it can't help but detract and make it feel a little monotonous. Something that Fukuda's films have done in the Godzilla series as well. If you remember, we used to complain about how every attack was three times in a row. Yeah, and so, it was just yeah. Sometimes the action, the larger action sequences, he does overuse effects. It feels like at times. Um, you know, that's interesting though that you say that, Alex. Uh, like the twenty minutes, the opening twenty minutes are excellent. I, I would tend to agree with you there. I think it does drag in the middle, but mm-hmm. it doesn't drag in the middle for me by lack of action. It almost moves too fast. Um it's like jarring a little bit and that jarring nature of kind of the middle third where it's kind of all over the place that made Mm -hmm. me lose a little bit of interest. So by the time we got to uh, Venus in the last 20 minutes, I had lost a little bit of the stakes involved and and a little bit of the interest that I had in the first 20 minutes because of that jarring middle. And then because like we could have spent less time on Venus, like, like take, take the middle, actually develop the characters a little bit more. Um, don't move from one plot point to the next so quickly um, that we lose all of that. Like, like take our time with it, develop the characters. Then we can get to the last, last, you know, let's take the tw- last 20 minutes, make it into the last 10 and we'll have a nice pretty film. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, again, <laughs> I, I like the idea of having a more harrowing space rescue uh, yeah. at the spaceship where we spend mm-hmm. a little more time with our characters up the stakes for them personally there and then at the end of the film, we cut some of Venus out because we don't need two trip two trips to the spaceship, <laughs> uh, true, true. Out, going out there. But there are some really wonderful effects on Venus. I will say, yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk about some more of those uh, in our awards. Hey, but before we get there, uh, you already mentioned MVM Plus at the beginning of the episode, where we will talk about some ways of getting our patrons more involved. I'm looking forward to hearing that, Alex. I also want to talk about your new PS5 and what you've been playing on that all day. And let's let's talk some let's talk some board games as well because you know I've been getting into the board games yes. recently. Um, 
So, so we'll talk some board games, PS5, and patrons for MVM Plus. Cool. Mm. Oh yeah, you can you can go you can become a bargain basement member uh, <laughs> at Patreon. <laughs> I should probably tell you where to, to go if you want to listen to MVM Plus over at patreon.com slash MVM pod. And the entire backlog of MVM Plus episodes are there available to you. You can even get episodes early over there at Patreon. So cool. Um, the next thing, Alex, is our rotating segment. And, you know, usually in this rotating segment, we've got several different types of segments we do. We have the theometer or we have our monster piece theater or sometimes we might get uh, getting uh, culture with Kyoe. Mm-hmm. This week, I want to do a we got that wrong segment, um, which we've done a couple times in the past. But we haven't heard from you all in a while, and we need to know what we got wrong. Um, so I'm asking any facts, opinions, feedback you want to leave. You want to contribute to this show. We want you contributing to this show. Um, leave us, tell us how wrong we are about the war in space, uh, or how wrong uh, Alex is about Gorath, or how wrong I am about battle in outer space. Um, you, <laughs> we will read your opinions on the air. Uh, we will read your cor- corrections and facts about things that we mess up, our pronunciations and how I butcher them. We'll read that all on the air, but we need content for a We Got That Wrong segment. All right, let's show we move into our awards then. Um, coolest character award. I think I know who you're going to choose. Alex, who do you have? You know, I, I had it down between two, uh, and the only reason I picked this one actually is because I've settled on him for two other award, <laughs> awards, and it would have been just a little too much maybe. So I'm going to go with Jimmy from NASA as the coolest character. Nice. nice. The, the man yeah. suffers more loss than anyone else in the film. He sacrifices uh-huh. himself for the greater good. He has one tear rolled down his cheek. I mean, I don't know what they're... I mean, he he <laughs> ejects from a spaceship or from his plane, Goes to the ground with, I think he has one string holding his parachute onto him. And then once landing, runs, dies off a cliff, and then magically appears into the his base. <laughs> the, the good guy's base. So, I don't uh, know what there isn't to like about this guy, but this guy's an action hero who does, who he probably actually survived Venus. Even after Venus was blown up. And he's probably yeah. ruling a planet somewhere. Well, I, I do like how... Um, I, I think um, who was it that talked about uh, Jimmy from Gamma versus Virus? Josh, I think it was Josh Bugash uh, oh, yeah, who talked yeah. about Jimmy from Gamma. I know Nathan Marchan has talked about <laughs> Jimmy um, yeah. and how they like He's to think of him as. Yeah, I know, and they like to think of him, uh, Jim uh, from Gamma versus Virus, as Jimmy. <laughs> Uh, Jim's all grown up and becomes Jimmy from the war in space. So I like that theory. I like that connection. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I just wish people had been (laughs) shouting, Jim, Jim, Jim. (laughs) Uh, Would have been great. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go for my coolest character. This this guy did not start off as my coolest character, but as I was reflecting on the film as a whole, uh, to me, he just has the most passion. Um, He's has the most love, honestly. He has the most complexity, uh, especially in my opinion, compared to really the rest of the characters here, which feel a little flat to me. And that Ooh. character is <laughs> Rasuke Maroi, um, the character who does die at the end, the, the the triangle love triangle character who does predict his own death and then dies at the end. Just thinking back on him overall, 
I was I was actually really impressed uh, with his character because he had the most passion. Whenever June is kidnapped, mm-hmm. he is the only character. He's not rational in that moment, obviously, but he's the only character that actually shows that he cares. Honestly, the yeah. ca- his, her father, her father, and and the person that apparently she loves don't really blink an eye, and it, that yeah. may be harsh to him, but they really don't that much, to be honest. Like it's there's not much of a reaction. Except for him. He's the only one that reacts. Uh, And so I really appreciated him as a character in this film. Yeah, you know, you're making me realize, Eric, that this film, with that love triangle at the end and how one of them (laughs) dies at the end, this was Uh definitely the influence for Pearl Harbor. Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, Alex. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, We and you are on the same page. That's exactly what I was going for with that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd bite into uh, it. All right. Most oh. most memorable line award. Uh, so mine comes from Akebe, um, who is the Captain Takagawa. And of course, I'm going to choose the most existential line of the film, Alex. Uh, mm. And it's during his sacrifice. He just reveals that he has he had created this weapon. Um, that had the potential to destroy the earth or destroy the universe, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> destroy space, destroy Venus. And, and so what he says is the infinite universe has always made my dreams come true. And in return, I destroy the universe to save the world. What cruel irony is that? Ooh. That's just a pretty awesome line, yeah, <laughs> right? Like that is a pretty awesome line to go out on. Uh, if you have to go out on something, yeah. you know, he, he's not going to, he's not going to destroy the universe because the universe has given him so much. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's fitting that he just destroyed Venus too. Cause no one really, he is a Venus. cool character. Neither one of us chose him, but he is a cool character. Yeah. It's just a good <laughs> thing. He didn't destroy Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> Alex. <laughs> Stupid. So, um, <laughs> My most memorable line award is, <laughs> I suppose, <clears throat> I suppose you think your disguise is very effective. And this is also Ryo Ikebe as Masato Takagawa. And it's him yeah. when he realizes the first imposter situation where his friends come from uh, the United Nations to convince him to give up the Goten. And he's, yeah. he's realized that because he's using that his friend's hand is he's left-handed and that this guy is using a lighter with his right hand, that it's an imposter. And it's a really cool moment. I wasn't actually expecting. I wasn't either. So like immediately whenever I heard uh, the guy showed up, I was like, Oh, it's an imposter. But then they do a pretty good job at selling that. It's not an imposter. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, but, but, but Takagawa never bought into it. And I love that moment, Alex. You're right. That was like a mic drop moment yes. uh, where it's just like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. You know, like, yeah. oh, so good. Yeah. I it, liked it, it. I did like that. It was really good. I, and I, li- I actually rewound the scene after he said that line to see if I could see on his face like that he saw something wrong. And sure mm-hmm. enough, like it, I paid more attention to it. And he, you see immediately that he sees that something's off. Uh, mm. pretty early on. I just really, really impressed by that. So maybe that goes into your can't believe that acting Absolutely. award out. Yeah, yeah, it does. Because I, I think he was probably the best acted character, especially mm. in those moments, in these smaller moments where he's getting ready to go blow himself up to save everybody. 
he's got these moments where you see a lot of a lot of uh just charisma and like wisdom behind his Mm -hmm. character and you see that when he lets his daughter get kidnapped and he doesn't pursue her in like this hot-headed nature because he knows what's best for the world is to take their time essentially i agree i agree i think that was a little bit flat but i agree like in general like that's his that would be his reaction would be a pretty like uh stoic reaction to that Mm -hmm. um and i i think the casting there is perfect as well because as we mentioned Akebe has been in um, multiple Toho sci-fi films up to this point and so he's built a reputation yeah. uh, and so he has to be that captain in this moment you know mm-hmm. so that's a great choice great choice I chose um, the same actor as my coolest character so Messiah Mas- Oki I don't normally do that um, but and, you know I thought about choosing a moment where that was like over the top acting that of would course. kind of be dunking on one of these actors hey no <laughs> but, Jimmy deserves but, all the praise <laughs> that tear wipe that Jimmy does <laughs> from <laughs> a side. Oh man. But no, you know, I want to go with Oki because I generally think he gives um, the most grounded performance here. I already told you why I liked his character, but in, in, in the acting as well, he has, he has the most to do, but he doesn't do it by going over the top uh, where it would be really easy to be very dramatic in his role. He never goes there, and yet he still expresses feeling. Um, and so I, I've got to give it to him, not for one moment in particular, but for his performance as a whole in the film. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, what about your standout effect award? So uh, mine, I guess it's a, a two-parter, okay. and it's when the Goten, Goten <laughs> lands on Venus and then takes off from Venus. Both of mm. those sequences are absolutely awesome. By the way, the Goten, Alex, mm. that is like the precursor to the, um, uh, what, what is it called in Marvel? What's their little ship called? What? Oh, the, the helicarrier? Yeah, yeah. It's like a precursor to the helicarrier oh, is how I thought about the Goten. Uh, it's just epic <laughs> in that feel. You know, it's like this big command base slash weapon. But yeah. the landing sequence on Venus is is just so cool. Like it's so well done. Yeah. Um. How it, it almost feels like it crashes in. I, honestly, it looks great. This is what made that scene that sequence made me want a uh, Godzilla, a late seventies Godzilla Toho film in space or something yeah. crazy like that. Right. Mm-hmm. That would have been awesome. Um. Kind of like we got in the Marvel. Some, like the late seventies Marvel comic, Alex, uh, <laughs> something crazy and epic uh, would have been awesome. But then you also get the takeoff sequence where you see the Goten rise through Venus clouds as lightning is going it off in the awesome. background. It looks awesome. It does. I'm look like, awesome. oh my gosh, these <laughs> these effects stand up, right? Um, and they're not reused. Those two yes, aren't reused. They're just these standalone <laughs> shots, and they are fantastic. So mine was the two parter, the landing and the takeoff of the Goten from Venus. Mm, uh, those are really you, good picks. I, I, I've got a, I've got a main one and an award one. Uh, my first one is the it's the Venus volcano. They're driving around on Venus, and they just see this mound or this, I guess we'll call it a mountain, but it's not quite that big. And it just has this gas spewing out of all these different ends instead of just out of the top. And it's just really mm-hmm. cool, and it really sells like the Venus atmosphere oh, yeah. for me in this really cool way. And then I had a runner-up of uh, 
the knife throw where he kills the Wookiee. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he throws the gun at him first, and the and the Wookiee chops uh-huh. it in half, and then he throws that uh-huh. that uh, laser blade into his chest, and it's just. Uh-huh. It was awesome. Like <laughs> it, was, it was like a level of camp that I wish that this had a little more of. Yeah, yeah, and that was maybe we'll get into that in our our rating and ranking. But you know, I I like that point. It's like you want to buy, you want a little bit more camp. Like we have these moments that we're laughing about um, mm-hmm. yeah. and that we're enjoying, but they're not all. I wouldn't call them all camp because I think some of them are tried to play off, played off as serious. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Or they just, I don't know. It's a little bit, the tone The tone is a little bit unbalanced at time. And, uh, and that might be one of my issues. But, um, so my, oh, that's a good shot. It's it's probably that shot um, from the perspective of the Goten's window that looks out to Earth. We first get a shot from that perspective of the entire crew of the Goten kind of side by side looking out at the earth. And I believe this is the first reveal of their orange suits. And it feels epic there in that moment when we see the whole crew together for the first time setting off on this journey. I really like that moment. You could choose the moment where they look back at earth, but we've seen that, um, you know, like yeah. that's, that's a kind of a typical sci-fi film shot. I, I was more affected by the shot of the crew as a whole looking out at that moment because you knew they're about to go on this journey together. Yeah, that's when you see their orange suits for the first time, right? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a cool a, reveal. I it liked is a cool it. I liked reveal. It. It's like, oh, I like yeah. these. Like these look good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Alex. Now, time for our rating Wait, and ranking. I got to do my good shot. Oh my oh, god! Yeah. Sorry, yeah, you skipped over me. <laughs> mm-hmm. What you got? Yeah, so my good shot, my, my oh, that's a good shot award is for a rover. There's a scene on Venus where the rover is driving towards the camera at full speed, and all this dust is blowing up behind it. And, you know, it's in this ravine, so it's got these walls on each side, and it is just this really epic feeling shot. Like, they're finally going to go attack this, uh, this alien ship thing, and it is, it's just a really neat looking shot. <laughs> Very cool. Most of the Venus stuff looks really well well done. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm impressed by by the Venus set uh, and everything they do with it. So that was that was awesome. Um, we've mentioned that Venus a couple times, and I think they do a really good job yeah. with it. Oh, Eric, real quick for a bonus award, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. why is this a monster movie? I, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm I gonna call know. the Wookie Wookie. Yeah. Well, we will say Wookiee is our monster or Commander Hell. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. One, one of the two. One or just two. Romans in general. Yeah, the Romans are the monster, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. No, that's good. Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks for calling that out for us, Alex, because we talked about that in uh, Battle in Outer Space, but, yeah. but it needs to be talked about here as well. So I think the Wookiee will count as our monster this time. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's move into our rating and ranking for real this time. Alex, you you have our conversation here has has maybe potentially raised my my feelings about this film uh-huh. a little bit. Um, but I'm going to let you go first. Here. Sure, yeah. Uh, for me, I can't help but think about the opening 20 minutes for the film. Those moments really elevated an otherwise probably mid tier film overall. I really like the characters that are created, even if not all of them are completely fleshed out. I like the feeling that we get of the exploration in space. 
coming across the destroyed space station, exploring Venus, which is just completely wonderful. And even even the battle, even if it does go on a little too long, I really do like the battle. But the biggest enemy in this film is the effects repetition and pacing. They really make the film drag in moments that it really shouldn't. Uh, especially the Venus battle. It should not have it shouldn't feel like it was dragging in certain spots like it was. But I do like the assault on the base. I like them sneaking in. I like everything that happens inside of the base, which is kind of rare. Usually the bases are kind of a, uh, of a dull, dull point on some of these movies. But I also, like I mentioned earlier, I also like how they kill these characters off unceremoniously sometimes. Like, <laughs> there's no fanfare for the way that some of these characters go out. And I really like that. The, the film was willing to do some things that, while not innovative, compared to a lot of things that we have seen, it, it took some interesting journeys, like killing off a character while he's smiling about his uh, girlfriend being <laughs> suddenly being alive. Beyonce. Beyonce, Beyonce that's yeah. right, that's right. <laughs> but with all talking about this film with you, Eric, this is the movie is actually has a lot more fun moments that made me laugh, whether intentionally or unintentionally. <laughs> it's actually been more fun. Uh and so since it is, I think I'm gonna give it a three point five out of five for me, because I I did enjoy this movie, even if it does mm-hmm. have some dull parts to it. Yeah, no, I can understand that. I understand that for sure. So my initial response to the war in space wasn't too favorable. But what I imagine, and as I've already experienced just talking about this film, I imagine this is going to be similar to my experience with some of Fukuda's Godzilla films, where they might grow on me in time as I think back on the characters and some of those over-the-top moments. Um <laughs> even if they seem to leap from one point to the next with a speed faster than the goat and mothership itself. Right. Or like Jimmy Um, off a cliff. (laughs) (laughs) As both a character and a performance, as I mentioned, Messiah Oki as Rusuke Moroi stands out as a favorite. Um, I don't always understand the aliens and, and their motivation. They feel like their motivations feel generic, even if they are off the wall and far as far as design. Um, the other characters aren't fully fleshed out, though we do have some great moments. You know, but I'm thinking about what you said in regards to not being afraid to kill off characters. And while we laughed about that today <laughs> on this episode, yeah. you know, that's been a critique actually that that we have talked about in some of the other films where it seemed like the film didn't want to kill off a character when it would be a lot more realistic if it did and it would actually like fit the tone of the film better Mm -hmm. if they did kill off a couple more characters and here they do. So I, you know, I do give them credit for that. I give Fukuda credit for that. Absolutely. Um, So as I said, I actually started off this review at a 2.5, but after talking about it, I'm I'm bumping that 2.5 up to a three out of five, Um, which, which puts it in line with the Mysterians for me, though. I think the Mysterians is going to edge it out in the rankings, but we'll see for sure Mm. next week during our, I guess I'm calling it our Toho miniseries takedown. Okay. Yeah, that works for me. You got to tell me now so I can formulate a rhyme. Oh yeah. All right. (laughs) Take, take down. Speaking of our rhyme, Alex, do you have a rhyme? Do you want me to start? Uh, You know, I'll go ahead and do it. Um, so yeah, so it's coming up quick is another Eric and Alex showdown eloquently called the Toho takedown after the battle. Who will wear the crown? My guess Eric will be wearing a frown, but let's be real. 
Eric's opinions are a little brown. <laughs> you can tell when he actually like prepares. He did not think of that off the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs> All right. Mine is uh, in the Toho takedown. Will the sci-fi soar high or will the standalone take the throne? We shall see. Putting our two miniseries together, our Toho in space and our Toho staples, uh, Toho basics, putting them all together, seeing what comes out on top. We've got eight films to choose from. We've got our awards and we've got our rankings. So if you if you want to contribute to that, uh, you can always email us um, at at mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com anything else alex for this week uh no only thing i gotta say is try oh wait (laughs) did i get ahead of it we didn't even thank playstation 3 (laughs) no i didn't i was i was just asked before i went into our spiel if there was anything else you wanted to add yeah join us at mvm plus (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Join us at MVM Plus. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MVM Pod at MVM underscore Pod on Letterboxd. You'll see our list, our Toho list. Um, at Eric, well, you see mine. Uh, if you follow me, Eric Neely, <laughs> you can email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. As we've mentioned before, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, rock band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, as always, for listening. Until next week, now we can do it, Alex. Yeah, yeah. Try, yeah. Try <laughs> to, to stay, stay alive. alive. Man, you're on one this week, man.